Welcome to Food is Not a Four-Letter Word, the podcast where you ditch the diet drama, banish body shame, and reclaim your life, all while creating a body you love. When it comes to body drama, your host, Carmela Romalia, has been there, done that, has the t-shirt, and wrote the books. And now, here's Carmela. Hello, hello, everyone. It is me, Carmela, from Happy Calories Don't Count, and this is episode 12 of the Food Is Not a Four-Letter Word podcast. So before we do anything else, I would like you to please take three deep breaths with me. Here we go. Take a deep breath in. And let it out. And again, deep breath. Exhale. And last one, deep breath in. And exhale it all out. Good job. All right. So I'm finding myself in a little bit of a quandary here with the podcast because I really want every episode to be able to make enough sense in a standalone episode that you can really just jump in wherever and start getting the benefits of, you know, ditching the diet drama, getting out of diet drama land and living in happy calories world. Um, and at the same time, I don't want to keep repeating myself over and over and over again in the exact same way. So I will do a basic cursory introduction for this one. And then I think I'm going to hope that if this is the first one you've listened to, um, episode 12, you do go back and start at the beginning with episode one. They're not sequential in the sense that you have to listen to one before you listen to two, like you have to learn how to add before you can learn how to multiply, that type of thing. But I know what I've said. I mean, I've done a few enough episodes. Maybe when I'm at podcast, you know, 3,462, I won't be able to remember what I said on episode 12. But it's a recent enough history that I know what I've said, and so I'm trying to continue a conversation. So I would really encourage you, if this is one of the first episodes you're hearing, that you go back and listen to the initial episodes just to create a framework so that you understand the perspective from which I come and you understand what it is that I'm trying to do here on this podcast. So to recap, we do the three deep breaths in the beginning as a way to ground myself, but also help you ground and teach you how quickly and easily you can connect with your body. And connecting with your body is critical to learning how to create a body and a life you love. And unfortunately, connecting with your body is a very, very difficult thing to do within the context of what I like to call diet drama land, because in diet drama land, you need to disconnect from your body to quote unquote, be successful. In diet drama land, they operate under the fallacy that you can control your body and your weight by controlling what you eat and controlling what you do for exercise. It's the diet and exercise model. You eat more, you eat the wrong food, you eat bad food, you gain weight, you eat less, you eat the right food, you eat good food, you lose weight, you exercise more, you lose weight, you exercise less, you gain weight. Uh, calories are a currency of exchange. It is a transaction-based model. You have to pay a price to eat. That price is exercise or weight gain. 
and all of the dysfunction, all of the pain and shame around your body and your weight comes out of those core fundamental ideas. And the truth is that although you are indeed responsible for what you eat and you are responsible for what you do for exercise, that does not mean that you can therefore control your body shape, weight, size, through diet and exercise. That is a fallacy, and that is the fallacy that keeps you stuck in your pain, shame, and dysfunction regarding your body and your weight. And speaking of fallacy, uh, I had mentioned in the last episode, episode 11, uh, that I said something was a lie. And I think I think what I said was something to the effect of that, you know, the idea that if you can measure it, you can manage it. And I said something to the effect like, well, that's just a lie. I think that's the I think that's the phrase that I use that term on. And I still say I still think that it's a lie in the sense that it is untrue. But I also know that lie the word lie has a negative connotation, like the intent to deceive. And I don't necessarily think that people are always intending to deceive, I think sometimes it is a fallacy. Sometimes it is an untruth. So I am careful with my words most of the time. Um, and every now and again, when I go back and I listen to the episodes, I'll hear something that that kind of struck a wrong note. And to me, in that previous episode where I said something was a lie, it, it struck a wrong note in the sense that um, to my ear, it sounded like I was saying that it was intending to deceive. And I don't think that that's an intentional um, reality. I think what it is, it is a, it's an untruth and it is a, a fallacy at, at best. Um, so anyway, all everything we're doing here on this podcast is to help you heal all of the pain, shame, and drama you have around your body and your weight. And all of this that I speak Everything that I teach is original content based on healing my own pain, shame, and drama around my body and my weight. And I'm not going to go into my story here. Um, there are lots of other episodes uh, where you can get um, glimpses of that. So what I was excited to do today was to piggyback on the discussion that monologue, actually, it's not really a discussion. You're not speaking back to me. This is a monologue. Who am I kidding? Um, this, is, this is really great. Like if you're an actor, like, well, hello, I'm an actress. Um, I've got a captive audience. You know, I, I can just stand here and wax philosophical all day. Um, so anyway, uh, last episode, I was really talking about, you know, the the idea of of the algorithms and and how they're shaping the the nature of how we think one of one of the reasons it's so hard to get out of diet drama land is that it sucks you back in and you don't even realize that you're in it um, because you don't realize how people marketers companies algorithms are influencing how you think about things and so this episode I wanted to dedicate to the nature of reality, you know, constructing reality, creating your reality, controlling your reality, all of those good things. So the first thing I need to say is that I do not claim to know the mysteries of the universe. So I am not some, I'm not channeling some higher power that is going to elucidate all the mysteries of the universe. The other thing that I am going to say up front is that things are not quote unquote bad. So when I get into speaking more about the algorithms and things like that, because 
you know, all of my clients and all of my friends work at places like Apple and Google and, and Amazon and Microsoft. Uh, and and we, we chit-chat during sessions or we chit-chat. And, and the amount of money that people, that these companies are spending just to get one more click, one more click, one more click, it's insane. Um, so this is not bad. So I'm, I'm not... Um, I'm not be here behind the microphone in my little room claiming conspiracy theory that, you know, the power elite or some man behind the curtain is pulling levers and pushing buttons and trying to control us and all of that stuff. Um, I, I'm not coming from that perspective. What what I'm trying to do is help you find a place of peace around food and exercise and your body and your weight and help you have the skills and the tools to have a sense of empowerment so you boost your self-image, you boost your self-esteem, and that you can take action that is congruent with your highest self so that you can create a body and a life you love. And so that's the perspective that I'm coming at this from. But again, you don't realize how you're being influenced. That's why it's so hard to get out of diet drama land. That's why you stay, one of the reasons you stay stuck in it is because of all of these other cultural, economic, political, societal, familial influences um, that are all coming from that diet and exercise perspective. So this idea of reality you know, we're getting in, we're getting into the weeds here with a bit of a philosophical conversation. You know, what is reality? You can have an entire semester, you know, in, in a college level philosophy class about discussing the nature of reality and all of the philosophers and and this and that and what have you. And where I think it's really interesting at this present moment in time is because we have the internet, because we have uh, social media, because we have online companies, because we have online ads, because we have data aggregation, because we have no privacy. Um, and again, this is this is not getting into some sort of political debate about privacy, um, but it's you. Uh, they know everything about you. You know, you go on a website and what's happening is little things are tracking your keystrokes. Little things are tracking this and tracking that. And this isn't to be um, scary. It's not meant to be dystopian or anything like that. It's the reality of what is happening. Now, if you want to have a different conversation about whether or not that's ethical, whether or not this is really the path we want to go down, whether, you know, we've opened a Pandora's box, can we get the genie back in the bottle? That's a that's a conversation for a different day, different topic, maybe even a different person. Um, that's not me. What you need to understand is that, um, and I think I think you I think you understand. I think you know. None of this is new, but what might be new is if you really put it in context of how you're being influenced, how uh, how people are influencing how you think, so that then you stay stuck in diet drama land. So all of these things, all of these social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, chit chat, or Snapchat, chit chat, uh, Snapchat, TikTok, all of these things, um, even, yeah, just everything that you sign up for that's free. Hey, let's use this free service. Let's use this free engagement type of tool. Well, you are the product. They, they are by the reason why those companies can exist and give you a service for free is because they are mining your data. And and I know this very specifically because of what I do 
in terms of trying to get my message in front of the right people. Now, I don't use some of the tactics that people offer me because I just think they're abhorrent. They're not in alignment with who I am as a person. But I can find out so much stuff about you, you know, because every little click that you've got on Facebook, every little like that you do on Instagram, they're pooling the data. And so when I go in to do an Instagram ad or a Facebook ad, if I choose to, I can just dial it all in to get this very specific demographic and psychographic type of person um, to put my stuff in front of. Now, from a business perspective, hey, that's really awesome. People love that. But what you don't really understand as a consumer is that you everything that you are being shown is because someone else is choosing to put that in front of you for a specific purpose. Usually that purpose is to get you to buy something. Um, and, and what it does is these algorithms that have no soul, they have no feeling, they have no, they have no ability to think in terms of context. All an algorithm is, is a sequence of commands, equations, whatever, that are programmed by a human, usually some tech guy, you know, back in some office with the sole purpose of doing his job. So he's trying to do his job really well, but his job is to get you to do one more click. His job is to get you to do, to, to take an action. His job is to get more data from you. And so what'll happen is, and you know what I'm talking about when it's like you're uh, you're shopping online and then you don't buy anything, you were just browsing. And then, you know, the next day you get the email in your inbox from the store about, hey, you were looking at these shoes. Are you sure you didn't want those shoes? Or, you know, the joke is that you go and you buy your, your um, dishwasher and then suddenly you're getting all of these ads for Home Depot and Sears and Lowe's about dishwashers and the thing is, is that they're after the fact. That's why those kinds of things happen. You've already bought your dishwasher, but now you're going to get the ads for dishwashers because the algorithms don't, they can't think in terms of context. They don't know why. Nobody in, in the data world, in the, the tech space, in the algorithm world, there's never a why. There's only a what. And so what's happening is you're, you're engaging on your computer, you're engaging with the internet, you're engaging in social media or whatever. And so back behind the scenes are all of these robots doing all these tick, 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 ticks, collecting these this data. And then they're selling your data to an advertiser that is going to put a message in front of you. And based on who someone thinks you are, again, you could be looking at something Online, I don't know. Let's make up an example. Let's say that you are um, you're looking at dog collars. You know, I don't know something really benign um, because your um, your cousin's husband's birthday is next week, and he and you know that your cousin got him a dog, and so you're gonna get this cute little dog collar for this stuff. But that's the only that's the only reason in the entire world you would ever look at dog collars. Well, suddenly now they've put that into the algorithm. And they have identified you with a dog collar. There's they they don't understand why or what, but all of this stuff is is creating a, a it's constructing a reality that isn't really real. The computer is creating a reality that does not necessarily jibe 
with who you truly are as a person. And so what's happening is then all this data back there behind the screens is then getting sold to advertisers that then show you products and services because they think you're going to buy them. And it's also based on your search history and things. And so when you when you go to Google and you want to search for something, you're never going to get uh, an objective search result out of Google. What you, the search you're going to get is going to be curated based on your search history and curated based on your social media presence. And that was a real shocker for me when I first figured that out because um, I had trademarked the phrase, happy calories don't count, like as soon as I wrote the book. It was one, it was one of those random things where um, it's been, oh, it must be like 15 years ago now. Uh, I was teaching Pilates to a client and every time, every time she came in, it was like, oh my goodness, she was just moaning and crying and bitching about the chocolate. And, you know, I'd had enough of it. And I hope, I really hope that I said this nicely because I really don't lose my temper or my patience with clients very, like if ever. Um, and so it was just, I was in a space and I finally just looked at her and I said, look, it's not about the chocolate. It's about your relationship with the chocolate. Happy calories don't count. And as soon as that phrase came out of my mouth, it was like, oh my God, that's it. Happy calories don't count. How brilliant is that? That that's that that's it. That says everything. I mean, the that that that's it. Happy calories don't count. And you know, that that um clothing company, Life is Good, and so they've got the happy t-shirts, life is good t-shirts, and the life is good um spare tire covers on the backs of the Jeeps or the Frisbees or whatever. I kind of saw, I didn't I didn't think I was gonna write a book or know I was gonna write a book or turn into any of this kind of stuff. I just thought it was going to be like, oh, I'm going to have happy little mugs or happy little ice cream bowls that say happy calories don't count, you know, kind of thing. And so I had trademarked happy calories don't count. And then later I was getting into a little trademark scuffle and I had thought that if I trademarked happy calories don't count, are happy calories, is happy calories not not protected under the phrase happy calories don't count because you know like happy calories is the subject of the phrase happy calories don't count. I mean, come on, people think about that. And so I was working really hard to build my online presence so that there would be no confusion in the marketplace. And as far as happy calories don't count goes, you put that into a search engine and I showed up everywhere. And when I typed in happy calories on my computer, I showed up everywhere. But then just as I don't even know what inspired me to do this, but I was at the library, the public library, and I typed in happy calories and I did not show up for like seven pages. And it was like, oh my God, this this, this is really different. And so your the the things that come up in your searches in your Google searches, in your Yahoo searches, in your Bing searches, whatever, they're not just an objective search. The results come up based on, you know, who's paying for the spot, the sponsored spots. It's also coming up curated based on your past research. And that's another thing that the past, the past is the past. It doesn't mean who you are or where you're going. And so what's happening is you are getting presented in front of you a worldview that is curated 
based on what some algorithm has decided you want to see, whether or not that's true. And so no wonder, you know, on my Facebook feed, you know, my my friends that are get engaging in these political debates and are being really um, awful people to one to one another, they they are actually legitimately living into completely different realities based on what what is what the the internet social media all that stuff is getting curated based on what the internet algorithm thinks they want and the algorithm has no feeling it has no soul it has no ability to think contextually and so that is a reason that you get stuck in diet drama land is because based on whatever whatever thing you've done, you know, now some computer is going to make a decision about what your reality is. And that's not true. And to be able to understand that is to be able to take your power back. It's be able to t- it's a- it's being able to take a step back and a step a step up and look at the situation from a different perspective. And so when when you just have these base assumptions, again, it's like over and over and over again, you see these little messages that get you that get you stuck in a position of of trying to solve a problem, not knowing how to solve a problem, feeling bad about yourself, and all of that. So that is the quote unquote constructed reality that isn't really real. You know, you're you're walking around and it's just like that little girl, just like that little girl from that Dove campaign who is is taking a selfie and putting it online and not getting any likes or anything like that. And she thinks that it's her fault. She thinks that there's something not right with her because now the new currency is the likes and the 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 um the comments and all of that stuff. And the younger generation has no idea why people would would think that privacy is important because they're growing up in a world without it. Their parents are putting their pictures on Facebook and on social media. And and it's just what you do. You sign over, you sign over all of your data to these companies um, because that's how we engage in social media without recognizing what's going on behind the scenes is creating, it's constructing a reality for you that is not real. And so then you get sucked into it and you stay stuck. And that's where you you don't understand why you feel bad about yourself and you think it's necess- you think it might be some daddy issue and you've healed your daddy issue and then you still can't figure out why why you you stay stuck in diadrama land and and this is one of the reasons why to really understand what is happening uh in in the current climate, in the world that we're in. And so that's one of the ways that they're changing the way we even think about things because they're giving us a reality based on what some algorithm thinks thinks they know about us when they don't. All right, so that's the first level of constructing reality, okay? And then you can get into the metaphysical spiritual part of constructing reality. And, you know, the the basic kind of thing as well as the glass half empty or is the glass half full? 
You know, it, it's that psychological thing where they're talking about optimists and pessimists and how you choose to view the world is the world that you're going to see. And there is legitimate spiritual truth in there. You know, if you're walking around as a positive person and you're looking at the world and seeing it as the glass half full and you think, you know, something wonderful is going to happen to me, happen to me today. And, you know, an external observer can see that, oh, this bad thing happened and that bad thing happened and whatever happened and whatever ever happen, but you're only looking at the happy things, then you're going to have a completely different experience than someone who had the exact same things happen to them in that day, but they were more of a pessimistic point of view. And so then their day just was really awful and it couldn't be any worse. And, you know, there was nothing good that happened in that day, whereas the day, the events of the day itself was exactly the same, and it was just different whether you were looking at it through the glasses half full lens or the glasses half empty lens. So that's just, you know, basic psycho psychological truth. That's just, you know, that's something they teach you in elementary school, you know, about optimism and pessimism and, and that type of thing. Where it starts to get interesting is when you start to wander down the path of metaphysics. And so it makes sense that we would wander down these paths and it would make sense that we would get stuck and that we might end up in more pain and shame and drama uh, going down these paths than we were in before. So you, you think about it. It's like, okay, so you're stuck in diet drama land and you're doing the diets and you're doing the exercise programs and you're getting defeated and nothing seems to work and you feel really bad about yourself and life is really awful. And, you know, what what's wrong with you? Why aren't you getting it? You know, because people from the diet and exercise perspective are saying that either you're cheating on your diet or there must be something wrong with your metabolism or you're just not committed enough or or what is it? And so you're on your personal growth quest because you just can't live this way anymore and and what's what's going on and you wander into a a bookstore or you see a flyer or something and and you see this thing about you know spiritual truth and manifestation and you know you're going to create your reality and and then you even have people like um well-respected people, so I'm not I'm not going to call anyone out um, because because I do think there's there's a piece to that that is very empowering and very good. But it's like the create your day, you know, where you sit and you imagine in your mind and you visualize that day and you're going to create that day. Now, there is a very legitimate spiritual truth about the creation of reality, you know, just like that example with the pessimist and the optimist. And there is a corporate slogan even that says your attitude determines your altitude. So your attitude about life is how high you can go. You know, you just have the right attitude in that corporate world and you'll be able to climb that ladder and get into that corner office. So there are a lot of slogans and a lot of um, tropes that support this legitimate spiritual truth. Now, there is a difference between creating reality and controlling reality. 
right? I'm going to say that again because it's a really big deal. There is a difference between creating reality and controlling reality, all right? So generally what happens is when you're wandering down the metaphysical path, you're going to run into something like the law of attraction. And there are all these teachers out there that are going to teach you about the law of attraction and how to manifest your dreams. Now, there is a lot of spiritual truth in that, but there is also a place where it gets conflated and there is a place where people can twist it and it ends up being a form of magical wish fulfillment. And from another perspective, um, you're still stuck in diet drama land. It's like you're just trying to magically, you know, manifest your body so you don't have to worry about um, diet or exercise. Or you're just going to, you know, release your weight and you're going to pray over your food and magically things are going to happen. Um, and, and the idea is that, you know, you, if you're in happy calories world, you can eat whatever you want and you can move your body however you want and you look better and better and better and you just feel great about yourself. That sounds pretty miraculous to me, right? And what happens is people are using law of attraction, but they're coming at it from within the context of the diet and exercise model. And that's what leads into that magical wish fulfillment type of energy and dynamic that just keeps you stuck and and just sucked into the pain. So to to like lay it out here step by step, how most how most um, law of attractions, again, huge generalization, but how most teachers, books, workshops, all of that, approach the topic of law of attraction is they'll say, hey, the universe is made up of energy. I'm like, yeah, cool. The energy, the universe is made up of vibrations. Everything in the universe is really just a little bit of vibrational energy. Even this, this desk, this desk that I'm knocking on right now, that it seems solid, but it's really just a bunch of, of energetic vibrations. And you know what? That's cool. That's true. That's correct. Even quantum physics supports that. You know, string theory and quantum physics, everything's made up of vibrations. So you're going along, we're going along, I'm going along, you know, we're all going along. And we're like, okay, it's not, it's not really snake oil. Okay, so I, I can see the logic behind this. You know, I'm in pain. I'm in pain. I desperately want this pain to stop. And I think if I can magically manifest my ideal body, then this pain will stop. And so I'm going to do whatever I can because I really, really want this pain to stop. It's awful. So we're going along. Everything's made up of energetic vibrations. And then they're going to say, like vibrations attract. Like attracts like. That's the law of attraction. And I had a client who was a chemical engineer, and we were having this discussion. And she's like, well, that's just basic chemistry. Like attracts like. So, you know, there you go. It's supported by science. Like attracts like. Yay. And so then the teachers will say things like your current conditions, your current life circumstances are a result of your thoughts. 
They're a result of your thinking because your thinking is putting these vibrations out there into the universe. And so like attracts like. So you're going to attract what you think. And and then you hear something, somebody like Buddha that says, you know, all that I am is a result of all that I thought. And so that gets conflated and you think, oh, it's really true. But what you're missing is it may be true that, you know, hey, if I'm having a positive out- attitude, I attract more positive things into my life because, hey, people just like people that are happy. You know, if you're, if you're a happy, positive, genuinely caring person, people tend to respond to that and they tend to respond to that in a positive way. And so, hey, you are creating your reality by being a positive person. Where is some, you know, negative Nilly who's just always complaining and is a pain in the butt to be around and is just really tiring and grating on your nerves and no one wants to deal with that person. They're creating a negative situation themselves. So yes, there's truth in all of that, right? Where it starts to get a little crazy is that then they'll say something to the effect of to change your situation, all you need to do is change your thoughts. Again, there's basic truth in that. You know, if you're a negative nilly, you can change your life circumstances by becoming more of a positive person. And then, you know, people will start to respond to you in a more positive way. And you'll start to see opportunities maybe you didn't see before because now you're looking for them because you're happy and you're lifting your head up and looking at the stars and the sky and the and the beauty of the world rather than looking down on your toes and and the the ditches and the puddles and all of that kind of stuff. So so there's truth in there as well. You know, all of this stuff is is woven into truth that is 3D reality, truth that is um, truth you have experienced just, um, uh, what do they call that, anecdotally, and and truth that is just like basic psychological truth. So all of this stuff makes sense. It's all woven in there, right? Then what happens is they'll say, you can change, you can get what you want, you know, to get that thing that you want All you have to do is raise your vibration to match that thing that you want, and then the law of attraction will bring that to you. And that, my friends, is a big old fat fallacy, right? So it could be now to to give this some sort of numeric value to illustrate my point. Um, Let's say, I don't know, let's say you want the red Ferrari. This is or, or the yellow Ferrari. This is one of those things that gets tossed around in these kind of circles a lot. Let's say you want to manifest that yellow Ferrari, okay? And just for the sake of argument to, to illustrate my point, I'm going to say that yellow Ferrari is a vibration 100. And let's say you're down in the dumps and you are vibrating at vibration level 20. And so you're going to do this law of attraction thing because you really want that yellow Ferrari. And in our case, it's the body that we want, right? You know, you're really going to manifest that yellow Ferrari. Well, you're going to do that work. You're going to do that that vision board work. You're going to do the affirmation work. You're going to do the positive psychology, the turn it around, all of that stuff that they teach you how to do to raise your vibration to level 100. Well, guess what? 
just because you have your vibration level at level 100, that does not mean that the universe is going to bring you that yellow Ferrari. There are a bajillion things that are at vibration level 100. So even if this stuff worked the way that some of these teachers claim that it works, that doesn't mean you're going to get the thing that you wanted. Okay, because you've it does is it's a fallacy. It's a leap in logic. It's like, yes, you are absolutely responsible for what you eat and what you do for exercise. But the fact that you are responsible for what you eat and what you do for exercise does not mean that you can therefore control your body shape and size through diet and exercise. That is a fallacy. Just like, yes, you are absolutely responsible for your thoughts and your feelings and your vibrations. But the fact that you are responsible for your thoughts and your feelings and your vibrations does not mean that the universe will therefore bring you what you want. That is also a fallacy. And that's where people can get hung up and really get stuck in the law of attraction idea. Now, what do you do about it? right? Um, th- there there are these elements of spiritual truth in there. And so, uh, so how do I actually harness the power of spiritual and psychological truth to help me in my life and to help me in my life circumstances? Because life really, really sucks. I'm really, really in pain. And I really, really want it to change. And I really, really want help. And I'm willing to do the work. What do I do? Well, that is where you, that is where the model of alignment of the happy calories don't count method comes into play. And it's something that's really, uh, really challenging to try to describe um, on, on, in a podcast format. You know, I've, I've got pictures of it in the book. I've got a whole chapter dedicated to, dedicated to a, the, it in the book. I've also discussed this topic on my YouTube channel, and I've got, you know, um, videos with the the model of alignment in the YouTube channel. But essentially, what you're doing is you are reconciling yourself. You are making sure that your thoughts, your feelings, your beliefs, and your actions are congruent. And when you are congruent with yourself, the energy of life force can flow through you powerfully and effectively. When you are not reconciled, when you are at odds with yourself, when you um, want to eat the cookie, but you can't eat the cookie because you're on a diet, you've got conflict within yourself. So it's not about the cookie, whether you eat the cookie or don't eat the cookie, neither action will benefit you because you are at odds with yourself. What you do is you reconcile your thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and actions, and then you either eat the cookie or don't eat the cookie. At that point, you know, it, it's not about the cookie, right? So when you're not reconciled, eating the cookie is not going to help you. And not eating the cookie is just going to lead to that experience of, I just look at the cookie and I gain weight. You know, when you are reconciled, again, it doesn't matter if you eat the cookie. Cookie's not going to hurt you. It's cookie. Or you don't eat the cookie. You don't feel deprived. You weren't even inspired to eat the cookie. It, it's becoming reconciled with yourself. That's when you can really harness the power of the universe. And so another example that I like to uh, bring up, and this is relevant 
in in the context of creating reality, the construction of reality based on the computer algorithms and all that stuff, the perceiving the reality and the controlling reality. There are, if you want to, you know, play around on Google, they've got all sorts of images um, up there about you know, just perception and and what do you see in terms of an image? And some of the really famous ones are like the duck and the rabbit. And and you look at the image and is it a duck or is it a rabbit? And, you know, there it's it's both, but it's both depending on what you think about. Where where you focus your perception is what you're going to see. Are you going to see a face or are you going to see a vase? Are you going to see a rat or are you going to see a man? Are you going to see a woman or are you going to see the fleur-de-lis? They are all over the internet. One of my favorite ones, one of the most simple things that you can do is simply draw a square on a piece of paper and then draw another square, you know, over and up a little bit and connect all the corners. And so you've just drawn a three-dimensional cube. And now is that cube pulling up? Or is that cube pulling down? And, you know, after a while, you see it both ways. And how you see it depends on the nature of where you put your focus. So where you put your focus is where your power lies. So you can't control what the universe brings you. The universe is going to bring you a situation. You have no control over that. That where you have your power is how you perceive the situation. And then how, and and I'll even go a step further than that. Where you have your power is the knowledge that you can perceive the situation in different ways. And so when you start to shift your perspective to see situations in different ways, then new opportunities and new answers and new conclusions and new ideas spark in ways that you didn't even anticipate because you could not have even seen those possibilities when you were looking at it from the first perspective. And I would even argue that that is a very important and relevant skill right now in the current social, political, economic climate, and especially with the algorithms feeding you a reality that they have decided that is true for you when it's not. So go game the algorithm. Go go type in something that is completely out of characteristic, completely out of character for you. Um, type in a bajillion different things that are completely out of character in different ways, and start messing with the algorithms. You know, so that they that they don't have the opportunity to game you. So I want you to game the algorithm rather than have the algorithm game you. So when you can see that different situations, they have the opportunity to have to be seen in different ways. That's where your point of power is, is life gives you a situation and your first instinct is, oh crap, or oh yay, or, you know, oh whatever it is. And you're going to look at it this one way. And when you're looking at it this one way, you have a default set 
of assumptions, experiences, conclusions about what your next steps might be or what possibilities exist because of looking at the situation in this specific way. Then you shift your perspective and you see the situation in a different way. And then a whole new world of possibilities opens up. And it's a whole new world of possibility that you didn't see had you stayed looking at that situation from that first perspective. And so you keep changing the way you look at a situation until you've exhausted anything you can possibly think of, any other way you can you can imagine looking at the situation. And then you have this wealth of possibility, this wealth of opportunity. And then you take the, the action that is most congruent with your highest self, that is is the most inspiring, where your thoughts, feelings, and beliefs are all congruent, and it inspires you, and it feels good, and you take action based on that. And that is going to lead you into a new moment in time and space with a new thing that the universe has given you. And then you go through the same process and then you you reconcile yourself and you look at all the possibilities and all the options and then you take that action that is congruent with your highest and best self and you move forward in that next in that next moment. And that is you can you, two people can start out in the exact same set of circumstances in life and end up in completely different spaces, completely different industries, completely different economic levels, completely different situations simply based on this idea of how they chose this law of attraction, this creating, this is this is legitimately creating your reality, how you are choosing to engage in the situation, and then the thoughts and actions and choices you make based on how you choose to interpret that situation. That is literally creating your reality. And remember, you create your reality, you do not control your reality. Where your point of power comes into play is where you can't control what the universe brings you, but your power is where you choose to perceive. Your greatest power is your power of choice, how you choose to perceive, and the actions you choose to take from there. So I'm going to leave that with, you know, one of those famous proverbs about how, like, you cannot control the wind, but you can adjust your sails. You know, that's a distinction between trying to control reality and versus creating reality, working with the universe. So I think I'm going to leave it at there. I think I think that was a good little discussion about the idea of, of reality, you know, the constructed false reality that um, that the algorithms put us in. And then it disconnects us as people because we're actually getting siloed. Because the the algorithms are are deciding what is right for you, and it just feeds that to you over and over and over again. But based on your friend down the street, your friend down the street is getting a completely different reality based on what those algorithms are putting in front of that person. So there is this idea of constructed reality that is false, 
that is not real, that is something that we really need to look at and something that is keeping you stuck in your diet drama land because based on what you're putting in to your search engines and into your social media profiles to try to heal all of your pain and shame and drama around your weight, everybody is latching onto that and everybody's trying to sell you something from within the context of the diet and exercise model and that's only going to keep you stuck. So there's that. That aspect of constructed reality, which is false. And then there's the spiritual metaphysical perspective of creating reality. And then there's the idea of trying to control reality, which is just going to leave you in a sad, sad state. And I haven't even touched on, you know, the science of actually legitimately constructing reality, like the idea that your eyes do not even see. It is your brain that literally constructs reality. So there is a whole big rabbit hole we can go down with these kinds of topics. But for this particular discussion or monologue, as it it were, um, I'm hoping to show you some of the places that are areas of opportunity for growth in terms of like, hey, you know, are you really in charge of your own thoughts? Are are you really thinking your own thoughts? And, and how are you being influenced by the culture and society at large, especially through tech and especially through algorithms? And then that piece of of where is your where is your personal power in trying to use the spiritual and uh, uh, psychological principles of self-empowerment to navigate life to create the best life that you can for yourself. So that will be it for now, my friends. I hope you have a super, super happy day, and I will talk to you in the next episode. Take care. Bye. If you enjoyed this program, help it out. Give it a like, subscribe, follow, share. You know the drill. If you want to learn more about me, my books, programs, and services, visit my website, carmelaramalia.com. And don't worry, if you can't spell my name, you can also always find me at happycalories.com. Take care.